This is the motherfucking Blood Doctor Show. On a Thursday morning, very new, very interesting time for the Blood Doctor Show, but a lot's happening. I've been wanting to talk about it. Life gets in the way, but now life steps aside and lets me attack the microphone about all that is going on in the world, politics, NFL, and NBA-wise. A lot of NFL in this episode, actually. A lot of stuff happening with quarterbacks that I want to talk about. Let's fucking do it. But as we know, before we do any sort of sports talk, we gotta go on the rant. And today I want to talk to you about something that I think is actually near and dear to all of us because, I mean, it's basically possible for it not to be. And that is the broken medical care system in this country. Now, obviously I could go on a rant here and talk about the way that you know trans people are essentially being forced to detransition, how we know that women are basically not given medical care at this point. There are a lot of things that we know that are horrible about the medical system, but I want to talk about the system itself in general. Those things are terrible, but they're a byproduct of a system that shouldn't exist in the first place. We are, by basically any measure, the richest country in the world. Maybe China at this point is the richest country, but when you consider just the breadth of you know what the United States owns and controls all around the world, I mean, I guess it's us and the Chinese, maybe the Russians, the Saudis, I don't know exactly. You put us in the top five for sure. We are one of the richest countries in the world, and yet somehow our medical care system is completely broken. And one of the biggest flaws, fallacies, whatever you want to call it, is that in this country, healthcare is tied to employment. This idea that, well, you gotta earn your keep here. You gotta earn it. You can't get healthcare around here unless you got a job. You don't deserve to get medical care unless you labored in the field, young man. That's the attitude of the majority of people in the United States, and it's fucking foolhardy nonsense. It's absolute bullshit. Let me lay it out fucking plainly clear for you in a way that literally everyone should be able to understand, okay? Every single person on the planet deserves medical care, wherever they are, wherever they're from, at any time. Okay? That, that's it. It doesn't matter if they're not from this country, it doesn't matter if they don't have insurance, it doesn't matter if they're not from this country and don't have insurance, they still deserve medical care. This idea that the country you were born in, like the boundaries in which you were born, something completely arbitrary that you have literally nothing to do with, two other people fucked and then stayed somewhere or went somewhere, and you have literally nothing to do with that, that determining whether or not you're able to get healthcare if something happens to you, that's that's absolutely ludicrous. It's insanity. And I say to Republicans all the time, and I have asked them this, if your son was shot in China or in Russia or anywhere else, would you not want them to get medical care because they're in a foreign country that they don't have insurance in? Of course not. But that's when they lay bare that they believe that American lives are worth more than you know that of others. And that's xenophobia, right? Everyone from around the world is different from me. They're from a different country. They're not an American, and therefore I'm afraid of them. I don't understand them. They don't deserve medical care. They don't deserve money. They don't deserve help. They're not an American. Therefore, they are less than. That is the attitude of the American conservative. That is the belief of the so-called patriot, right? 
that you are somehow better than everyone in the rest of the world and anyone who wasn't lucky enough to be born in the United States or born to American parents is somehow less than because they didn't have the royal fuck. Everyone who fucks in America has a royal fuck. And when you have a royal fuck in America, your child is American royalty and you're somehow better. And that means you deserve health care. Unless, of course, you're a woman in Louisiana um, you know, or in Texas or in Florida or in Mississippi. You know, then, of course, you don't deserve medical care. But every American deserves all of the medical care unless you're a trans person you know then you don't deserve any medical care then we're going to force you to be someone that you don't want to be and that you see in the mirror is wrong and that you know inside is wrong but we're going to force you that to be but every american deserves all of the medical care and this is what it's like just this obvious two-faced nonsense back and forth bullshit Healthcare is a human right just like water is a human right just like housing is a human right we have completely turned Everything in this country into how can I commodify this? How can I monetize this? How can I turn this into a business to make passive income for me? That's become literally every single thing in this country. And now that's healthcare too. Now you have to, you know, pay your monthly bill and then pay your copay and then pay for your pills and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, there are cases where we're working to bring these things down and fix them. But what happens if you need a major surgery? Unless you're rich, you're like fucked. What happens if you need an IUD out, a completely regular thing that millions of women go through? In some places, that costs you thousands of dollars. In some places, it's free. How can that be? And how can it be that all of the medical services that are most expensive and least covered are those things that are for the most vulnerable people? How is it possible that the most vulnerable people receive the least amount of coverage and care? That's fucking backwards, man. That is absolutely backwards. We should be doing more for the most vulnerable in our society. We should be doing all that we can to help them. And instead, we're doing nothing and we're doing less. We do as little as possible because that's how we like to handle it. Well, it's not a big deal to me. It's not my problem. NIMBY, not in my backyard. I don't care about it. Not my issue. Oh, let God deal with that. God works in mysterious ways. You'll be all right. Just pray on it. This is just all the same conservative bullshit you hear. And I say it right now. Anyone, everyone deserves medical care. And it doesn't matter what it is. Everyone deserves medical care. And anyone on a platform of less than universal health care is an asshole. That's it. You are an asshole if you don't believe in universal health care. And I, 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 there's no exceptions for that. And I don't want to hear about, well, what about, none of it. Medical costs should not be something that is incurred by a person. It's part of life. Every single person on this planet gets sick, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally. Everyone will go through something at some point and require medical care. That is part of life. And there is literally no way that it should put you in debt and put you in a burden to like work extra jobs, which will make your medical situation worse. It's it's absolute bullshit. Anyone who doesn't believe in universal health care is a traitor to humans. And that's how I fucking feel about this. You are a traitor to humanity if you somehow believe that not everyone deserves medical care, that there are some who deserve it better than others. And as far as I'm concerned, that makes you a monster. When you start deciding people, you know, who deserves to live and who deserves to die, well, that sounds like the death panels that were supposedly part of Obamacare. Oh, but that's right. That's just how Republicans actually operate all the time. 
Republicans are monsters. They are evil. Conservatives are evil. And anyone who doesn't believe in universal health care is an evil, monstrous person who is saying it's okay by me if random people die. I'm not concerned if other children die because they're not my children. That's what you are saying. That is the speech that you are giving when you say that universal health care is bad and that you should have to have a job for health care. You are saying that you want people to die. It is essentially eugenics to say that you should have to have a job to get health care because there are people who cannot work and therefore in the eyes of conservatives, they do not deserve to have health care or exist. And who believed in eugenics, by the way? Was it the Nazis? And once again, Republicans are Nazis. Why do I keep bringing this up? Because I don't think people understand it. I'm not drawing comparisons here. I'm not drawing lines. I'm not saying, look at these things that are similar. No, no, no. I am saying to you, Republicans are Nazis. They are the same. Republicans are Nazis. Republicans are Nazis. If you know a Republican, you know a Nazi. If you have Republican family, you have Nazi family. And I understand how difficult that is to hear, but it's the reality of the situation and people need to be aware of it. Republicans truly believe that it is okay to call for, at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, they said, some dude said, and I quote, we need to exterminate the trans agenda from daily life, which means exterminate trans people. That's what it means. Republicans are Nazis. Anyone you know who is a Republican is a Nazi. Anyone who currently identifies a Republican is, is identifying as a Nazi. And I understand that a lot of them don't understand it. Again, it's not all evil, but a lot of it is ignorance. Ignorance or evil. Anyone who claims conservatism in the year 2023 is ignorant or evil. There is no third choice. You are stupid or you are a monster. And I don't care if that offends people. It is a goddamn fact. And if you don't like it, you can listen to another fucking show. Everyone deserves medical care, no matter where they are from, no matter who they are. Okay? Everyone deserves medical care, without exception. Everyone deserves to present as they want to present. Everyone deserves to be who they are, without fear of an unacceptable financial burden that would destroy their life. Everyone deserves medical care. Full stop. A few things on the NBA before we mostly talk about the NFL. Number one, look, I was, I mean, you heard it on this show. I went through a whole huge range of emotions, pretty drunk on uh, on this podcast. And I sat there and went from, you can't trade Mikhail Bridges to, I understand why you're trading Mikhail Bridges, but why did you have to trade Mikhail Bridges? It was, it was a very emotional one. But the point is, well, Sunday, you saw why, right? In you know a game where four players scored 30-plus, just an absolute... I mean, Sunday was exactly what you look for from that sort of game. You had you know all the Hall of Fame players delivering huge moments, and it ends with Kevin Durant hitting a game winner that most dudes can't even hit. And it's just like, you look at that, and that's why you acquired him. And I said to Keith, you know, my best friend, shout out Keith, what up? That's why we did that. That's why you do that trade, because that's a game that the Suns have lost. The last few years and especially you know we know what's going on with Dallas so that in and of itself 
That's why you did it. And then, of course, KD slips last night in warm-ups, and now he's probably out for the rest of the regular season, which gives the Suns limited time to get together before, you know, whoever the first-round series is. But, I mean, thank God from the beginning it looked like it was meshing pretty well. I mean, KD can fit in literally anywhere. Um, And it does suck that the Suns are basically going to have to go the rest of the regular season without him. And it means that the first-round series is going to be turned into more tinkering, which is not great. You want to have all that stuff figured out by the playoffs. But, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is this is all about the playoffs. Obviously, you want Kevin Durant 100% healthy, so you just got to take the good with the bad. It's rough. You knew that injuries could be a problem with KD. It's part of the deal. And we just got to hope beyond hope. And if the Suns are able to put this thing together and still win this championship, despite just everything that has gone on this season, that would be... It would be one of the most impressive championship runs of all time. And I think it would cement Kevin Durant in the eyes of people who still doubt him because of the whole Golden State thing. I mean, if he wins a championship in Phoenix and helps deliver a title to a city that's never won one and perhaps wins a finals MVP, him or Devin Booker, but let's say he won the finals MVP after missing the rest of the regular season and not even getting time to get together with his new teammates. And let's just say he's still playoff Kevin Durant and gets it done and, you know, we win the title. Um, I think that that would, for, for all those people who said, you know, he went to a super team, blah, blah, blah. I think that would, I think that would still do it for KD. So for him, I think this is still the opportunity to, um, you know, set, set up or set himself up with the people who doubt him or however the fuck you want to call that. Cause some of those people don't believe it's set in stone that KD is one of the 10 greatest players of all time and they're wrong, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, other NBA stuff, Julius Randle balling yet again. He was one of the people that I wanted the Suns to acquire uh, because I didn't really think they were going to go after KD. But you know, right now I don't know why the hell the Knicks would trade him. I mean, Julius Randle's fucking weird. Like he goes up and down. He has these, Moments where, you know, he's frustratingly inconsistent. And then he has these ridiculous moments where he hits these insane shots. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, basketball is more fun when the Knicks are competent. Like, it's fun to make fun of the Knicks when they're garbage. I think that we all enjoy that. I think that we all love, like, making fun of the Knicks. I love making fun of the Knicks. It's hilarious reading about James Dolan's incompetence as a managing partner. All that stuff is funny. But... Considering that Madison Square Garden is like every favorite, every player's favorite arena, it's, you know, the mecca of basketball, blah, blah, blah. It's good for the league when the Knicks are good. And this is a good Knicks team. We're seeing how good Jalen Brunson is. I hate Jalen Brunson, of course, because of the playoffs last year, but it's better for the NBA when the Knicks are good. Like, you want good teams in these markets. You don't want, you know, the Knicks to be a laughing stock. It makes kind of the league a joke when your marquee franchise is a joke, you know, and we can sit here and say, oh, the, La- the Lakers are the marquee franchise. Sure. But, you know, the NBA trots out the Knicks in front of everything and they're like a worldwide thing. And, you know, again, Madison Square Garden is the world's most famous arena and blah, blah, blah. And they have two titles in like 100 years. It's just the team is overrated and they're constantly touted as this great thing when really they're usually garbage. So the fact that they're actually decent for once, it's good for the league. And it's all because of Julius Randle. So that's cool. Another dude, Anthony Davis. Like, this is the promise of Anthony Davis that we all thought was there like 10 years ago. He has finally arrived at like age 31. And I know that he had the run in the bubble when the Lakers won the title. But I mean, again, 
Bubble basketball was different, okay? There's no crowds. The scores were through the roof because the refing was different. And again, there were no home court advantage to make the role players shoot worse. The bubble basketball was awesome, but it was different. And Anthony Davis has never repeated the stats that he had in the bubble. He had, you know, a phenomenal shooting season. He shot like 40% in the playoffs from three. He's never come anywhere near that again. But he is now finally fulfilling the promise that, you know, people expected from him. And I don't love to see that on the Lakers. I really don't. I hate the Lakers. But it's worth noting that when I used to talk about Anthony Davis being the best player in the NBA, this was the version of Anthony Davis that I was talking about. And this player never showed up for the Pelicans, basically ever. And I don't know what changed and I don't know what is, you know, wrong in the Pelicans organization that they're always so broken but, you know, it, it, it's, this guy never showed up in, in, in New Orleans. And, and on that note, you know, the thing about New Orleans is for years it was said that, you know, because they're owned by the owner of the Saints. And for years it was said that the Pelicans used NFL strength and training guys. And that's why NBA players hated playing there and why they had so many issues with injuries because the NFL strength and training guys didn't really know much about the NBA or the way that NBA players' bodies are different. And, you know, then when David Griffin took over the Pelicans, he hired Aaron Nelson from Phoenix, who is this renowned strength trainer. And, you know, they built this whole new health and medical staff to try to, uh, you know, rebuild everything. And, you know, we're not going to let this happen to the Pelicans again. And then they draft Zion Williamson. And now it's, you know, been largely the same thing. And, you know, Baxter Holmes had a piece come out recently for ESPN where he talked about all of the, you know, the the games that Zion Williamson played as a teen and how kids are being burned out in AAU basketball before they even reach the NBA. And so, you know, it's very interesting to note that, you know, the Pelicans made all these strides to make improvements to a situation that was viewed as horrendous and they're still struggling. And so it's a question of, is there something institutional going on? Are they not being given the support that they need? Is it still infiltrated with the wrong people? Or is it just really horrible luck in New Orleans? Something to be thought about because the Zion situation continues to... I mean, I just hate to say it. It just it reminds me of guys like Greg Oden. And I don't like talking about that. I don't like bringing that up. It's just that it just seems like it's never-ending. And this dude is tantalizing when he's on the court. And then he's just never there. And it's just a bummer. Injuries suck. I hope Zion gets better for the playoffs. Turning to the NFL. There is a lot of news in the quarterback carousel area. And it seems like quite a few dudes will be changing teams. Pretty regular every season now. Um, it seems like every year there's some shocking new deal. And there's one that's about to happen in the form of, well, there could be two really huge moves. We'll start with the one that makes me less angry and makes me want to laugh more. And that is, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded to the Jets. And this is funny for a few reasons. Number one, it's funny that Aaron Rodgers wants to play for the Jets. Like, have you watched the Jets over the years, you know? Uh, and number two, it's funny because the Jets view this as the final piece to the puzzle of their Super Bowl team. And it's not. You know... This, like the Jets have a good defense and they've got, you know, they, I mean, they're a good team and you could argue, oh, they're a quarterback away, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers is famously difficult to play with for receivers. There are 
so many things you have to learn about the way that he wants the game to be played. And it takes a very long time for guys to learn that. And you're now coming into a team where, I mean, it's not your team. It will be your team in the sense of like, this is Aaron Rodgers' team now. But like, you haven't been here for 20 years. You don't know how they operate. You don't know how things are done. Um, Nathaniel Hackett will be there, who he did like as his offensive coordinator. So that was, that's a plus. But everything's going to be different. Whether or not the offense is the same because it's the same coordinator, that does not mean that, you know, the head coach will run it the same way in the way that you want to make the decisions that you want, let you have the freedom that you want. It's it's a new situation. And you can sit here and tell me, oh, it's going to be better because it's not Green Bay, blah, blah, blah. But like, what about going from Green Bay to the Jets makes you believe it's going to be an improvement? How did that go for Brett Favre, by the way? Which is also the funniest part about this that everyone is pointing out that Aaron Rodgers has now literally become Brett Favre in every single way, like to a T. Like, I mean, he hasn't committed a welfare scandal yet, but hey, I mean, with the way he views about vaccines, I wouldn't rule it out. So, you know, the, I, I mean, whatever, dude. Aaron Rodgers wants to go to the Jets. Good for you, man. You want to go to that black hole of football uselessness, then please do. Please do. The one other rumor I'll jump to real quick. <laughs> and Tom kind of shot it down. But Rich Eisen said that the Tom Brady to Miami thing is not dead. And if that if Tua is not medically ready next year, that Miami would talk to Tom Brady about coming in and filling in for Tua for a year or something. And Tom Brady tweeted something like, whoever's talking about me coming back never got a two-month-old kitten for their daughter or something and, you know, tweeted a, a video of him and his daughter with the cat. Um, that's not Tom Brady denying that rumor. Everyone's like, oh, I'm glad Tom Brady shot that down. That is not Tom Brady shooting that down. That's that's Tom Brady keeping it at the forefront of people's minds. Like, I hate the idea of Tom Brady in a Dolphins uniform, like, a lot, but if Aaron Rodgers was in a Jets uniform, <laughs> then Tom Brady in a Dolphins uniform suddenly becomes a lot more palatable because I want Tom Brady to crush the Jets' dreams as much as humanly fucking possible. I want every New York Jets fan to, like, have nightmares of Tom Brady, like, coming to their work and firing them. Like, I want every single thing. I don't want them to have nice things. I want everything that the Jets have to be ruined. And so... If they acquire Aaron Rodgers, the one thing, the only thing would be, other than Tom Brady going back to New England, obviously, which would be what everyone would prefer, but is not happening, but him going to the Dolphins, because he's already in Florida, you know, his kids are in Florida, I mean, it, it makes some sense. Now, again, the idea of Tom Brady in a Dolphins uniform is disgusting to me, and he has re retired twice, and he did sort of shoot this rumor down, but the thing is, like... For Rich Eisen to go on his show and make that his number one thing, he didn't do that for no reason. And Rich Eisen is a Michigan guy, which means he knows people who are plugged into Tom Brady. He's also a Jets guy. So why he would want to float Tom Brady coming back to crush his team, I don't know. But um, he didn't float that for no reason. And I don't care what Tom Brady says about kittens or whatever, like... That rumor doesn't exist for no reason. It, it's This stuff doesn't come out there for nothing. And, you know, that also makes me wonder about Tua. 
aside from the Tom Brady angle on that, the the genesis or basis of that rumor is the idea that Tua Tungavailoa will not be healthy next year. And I mean, this dude has been riddled with injuries for years now, and it sucks. But it may I I worry about him. Whenever you have multiple concussions in a season as a quarterback, like I start to worry about you getting into like the Troy Aikman territory where he doesn't even like remember his last years with the Cowboys and he's finally gotten better, but he said his memory was bad for a few years after football there. And, you know, I worry about Tua going down that same path. And I hope that he won't like risk his life to play football. Um, so that really the, that rumor also makes me wonder about Tua. But that being said, like you know, if <laughs> ugh, I just, it's exasperating to consider Tom Brady coming back again and playing for the Dolphins. Like, I would love to see him play. I didn't think there was any way he was going to retire. I was so shocked. So I would love to see him play more, but just the idea that it would be for a team that I, <laughs> I hate so much. I just, it's weird, man. It's weird. Um, but again, if Aaron Rodgers does get traded to the Jets, it becomes a lot more palatable to me. Now, here's the other one I want to talk about. And this one makes me angry. And that is Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag from the Ravens. The non-exclusive franchise tag comes in at a lower number than the exclusive franchise tag. It allows other teams to negotiate with Lamar Jackson. And if they agree to a contract, then the Ravens can either match the contract or they can let Lamar Jackson go. And the team that signed Lamar Jackson to the contract would give up two first round picks. So it's essentially like a, you know, an, a, a setup trade situation for a franchise player. Now, the reason this makes me angry is twofold. Number one, using the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson was just to lower his value, which is bullshit. It's not because they honestly view Lamar Jackson that way. It's just because they wanted to lower his tag value right now. And the reason that pisses me off is because immediately upon the non-exclusive tag being slapped on him, a bunch of teams came out and through you know, various reporters said that they will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson. And that's not like, you know, they didn't release official statements or whatever, but, you know, they go to their reporters who are basically they use as the mouthpiece for the teams and they say, you know, we're not going to do this. And, and multiple teams did this. That's collusion. When you, when you come out and you put a non-exclusive tag and then a bunch of other of your partners which are, you know, the owners are the partners, right? They all work together. And so the Ravens say, we're going to put the non-exclusive tag on Lamar and we would really love it if you guys would not negotiate with him. We just want to bring his value down. And all these other owners are like, that's fine. We're not even going to negotiate to hurt his value. Now, this is, as Shalise Manza-Young has said, this is a point where Lamar Jackson needs an agent. He does not have one and he has done well without one so far for himself. But this situation has gotten ugly, uglier because he doesn't have an agent to negotiate this for him. He wants the largest deal in history, a fully guaranteed deal, which he's an MVP. He's a free agent. He's earned that. And the Ravens simply don't want to give it to him because they don't view him as a quarterback. That's where the racism part comes in. If a white player who has won an MVP reaches free agency, he gets maximum dollars. That's just, you know, a fact. I mean, a white player who wins MVP would never, ever reach free agency. He would have gotten a contract by now. Daniel Jones just got a contract from the Giants, and he fucking sucks. We'll talk about that one in a minute. Now, people will say, well, Lamar wants more money than Daniel Jones. Yes, he does, and he deserves it because he's a much better player, and he's won MVP. 
I don't care about the failures he's had in the playoffs. Look at what the Ravens have done around Lamar Jackson. He never has any running backs. He never has any receivers. He's basically expected to win with a tight end and his legs. They invest all the rest of their money on the defense. They don't do anything to help him. And they're just like, figure it out, Lamar. And then when they lose in the playoffs, people are like, well, Lamar is not a winning player. Really? Really? Okay. I see how it is. And other people have wanted to point to the Deshaun Watson situation and the Kyler Murray situation because they have the highest cap hits in the NFL. And, you know, they've essentially said, oh, I can't be racist because these other players on other teams have higher cap hits than anyone else and they're not white. So it can't be racist. Guess what? Just because other black players got paid on other teams does not mean that there can't be a racist situation on another team. Please tell me the last time a white player who won MVP or had anything close to it got the non-exclusive tag as a quarterback. Uh, Jared Goff lost in the Super Bowl and then got the largest contract in history from the Rams, okay? And I understand, again, Lamar did not make it to a Super Bowl, but he won an MVP. That fucking matters a lot, okay? Like, this is this is absurdity that the Ravens would try to argue that this guy doesn't deserve it. Oh, well, he doesn't have a lot of passing yards. You don't give him any receivers. Who is he supposed to throw to? It's ludicrous. They're sabotaging their own player in order to bring his value down. And this is just, this is garbage. This is shows the Ravens organization is garbage. What happened with Joe Flacco when Joe Flacco was the Ravens quarterback? Did he go through this or did he get a contract extension? Yes, he got his contract extension after he won a Super Bowl. Fine. Understand it. But you can't hamstring Lamar Jackson and then blame him for everything. They acquired receivers for Joe Flacco. They trade Lamar Jackson's favorite target. The the way that they're operating is completely different from the way that they operated for Joe Flacco. They're treating Lamar Jackson like a distressed asset, and it's bullshit. And if you don't believe that Lamar Jackson is the future of your team, that's fine. But to then come out and collude against him and get the other teams to say that they won't negotiate with him in order to bring down his asking price... Well, I'm sorry, but you only did that for the black quarterback, and that's what the racism part is. Now, again, just because the Browns signed Deshaun Watson doesn't mean that the Ravens can't be practicing racism. And just because the Ravens are doing something that is racist doesn't mean every single person who works for the Ravens is a racist KKK member. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it is shown that a black quarterback is treated worse than white quarterbacks. I mean, that's just what this is. Lamar Jackson is being treated worse than white quarterbacks who have, in many cases, way fewer accolades than him. Like, Daniel Jones is garbage, and he just got this $40 million a year contract from the Jets. Are you kidding me? Or from the Giants? It's so hard to... The Giants and Jets are both jokes, so I I just get them confused at this point. I apologize, but... The, the contract that Daniel Jones got from the Giants is huge, like $40 million a year. Are you kidding me? He sucks. He's not like in the top half of the league in anything. It's not like he's thrown for 4,000 yards or 30 touchdowns or something. He just kind of didn't suck this year. Like he was halfway decent. He made some decent throws. He did some decent work. And because he was halfway decent, we're going to give him $40 million a year. That's what the Giants did. And again, I know that Lamar wants more than that. He deserves more than that. He deserves a market-setting contract. And guess what? When the Browns gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract, that was bad for the Ravens because it set the standard for Lamar that his contract will be fully guaranteed. Well, guess what? Someone's going to give it to him. 
regardless of whether or not the Ravens like it, someone is going to come through and give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract that he wants. And it may even be one of the teams who said that they weren't going to pursue him because in the end, it only takes one team to be parted with their money to say, you know what, this dude's worth it. He's a franchise quarterback. He's an MVP. Let's go ahead and let's get this dude because you just can't get 26-year-old MVP quarterbacks. You can't acquire them. Those are not a thing you can acquire. And here one is sitting there in free agency, not even on the trade market, in free agency. Yes, it'll cost you two first-round picks, but again, he's worth it. And you're trying to tell me you're not going after that dude? It's bullshit. It's collusion. It's racism. And that's what it is. And anyone who says otherwise is simply wrong. That's it. Now, again, the Daniel Jones thing, like, this is just New York media hype machine bullshit. Daniel Jones is not good. He is not a good player. And... I, I don't know what to tell you. He's not good. He wasn't good this year. He's never been good. They never should have drafted him as high as they did. He's overrated. And this is a mistake by the Giants. I understand that Brian Dable made him look halfway decent. And there's this idea that, well, you know, Brian Dable fixed Josh Allen. And so he's going to turn Daniel Jones into the next Josh Allen. Those dudes are not the same. Josh Allen was one of the most physically talented quarterbacks we'd ever seen, but he had no accuracy. And Brian Dayball helped him learn to be accurate and tailored an offense to his skills. Okay. Daniel Jones is in no way Josh Allen. These are not the same dude. They never will be the same dude. And I mean, again, yes, he's physically talented. He's got an arm. He can run, blah, blah, blah. He can't read an NFL defense. He cannot make you know, the throws that are necessary in terms of, you know, I'm seeing this three seconds before it happened. He can throw to open receivers. That's fine. He can make all the throws in terms of he's got an NFL arm. That's fine. He is not a $40 million a year quarterback. And this move that the Giants made, basically spending, what, like $54 million on on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley? I mean, look, if you want to look at Saquon Barkley as a slot receiver and tell me that that's really where his value is, fine, whatever. But, I mean, you won one playoff game because your new coach came in and showed everyone that if you have a halfway decent offense, you can sort of gimmick your way to stuff. The Giants are not going to continue winning. This is not like an upward trajectory team. This is a team that used smoke and mirrors to go farther than anyone would have expected and then beat a team in the playoffs that lets everyone down all the time, including me who bet on them and the Vikings. So... I'm not impressed with the Giants last year. I'm not impressed with Daniel Jones. Saquon is good, but using the franchise tag on a running back is a waste of money. It just is. It's it's not a good use of resources. There are so many running backs available. I, I, I understand that Saquon's good, but you could have a dude for one-tenth of the value who would provide as much of value. It's just true. Running backs are worth the veterans minimum. That's it. And I'm sorry for running backs. I hate that that is what has happened to him. But this is the league that we're in now. Running backs don't have value. And you can't sit here and tell me, well, it's it's only the franchise tag for running backs. So it's not that much money. And it's still not blah, 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 blah. Every team that spends big money on a running back doesn't win a Super Bowl. That's it. It's not smart. And I love seeing the Giants make not smart decisions. And I love seeing the Jets make not smart decisions. And despite the fact that both teams outpaced expectations this year, I thought they would both be like under six wins. They were both much better than that. But this year, there's going to be huge expectations for both teams, especially if the Jets acquire Rodgers, you know, depending on what they give up for him. I don't even know. You know, the deal hasn't been completed yet. It's not even guaranteed, but it seems like it's going to happen. But um, there's going to be expectations for both these teams. And neither of them are going to meet them. And that's very funny to me. The last two things I want to talk about. 
Derek Carr goes to the Saints. I already talked about that a bit on this podcast when it seemed like it was going to happen. I like it. Um, I like the fit. Derek Carr's never had a good defense. Um, you know, he, the Saints, I don't know that their offensive line is the best in the league or anything, but it's certainly nowhere near as bad as, um, you know, what the Raiders was last year. I mean, and they generally have a, a pretty, generally pretty good offensive line. Um, you know, it's hard to tell how good their offensive line play has been the last few years because their quarterback play is garbage. And, you know, Kamara's hurt a lot. And it's just like, you know, you have quality players, but how good is this offense? I don't really know. They haven't, they've got good receivers and every now and then they'll have a decent game, but it's just like nothing really works. So, you know, having Derek Carr, who is a dude who can throw the ball downfield really better than any guy that, you know, the Saints have had. You might say Winston, but, you know, the interceptions are a huge problem for Winston. We know what Derek Carr can do in the last few years throwing the ball downfield. We know how good he is as a check down player. You know, we know he can hit tight ends and running backs in the short field. And what I mean in that situation is he's not afraid to just check down. He will... He, he doesn't always have to go for the big play. He's fine making the, you know, let's get these yards and, you know, get it the next play. I like guys who aren't always trying to force the issue. You take what the defense gives you. Derek Carr has gotten better at going deep over his career. You know, you combine him with Chris Olave. This this puts them in, in a really good position in a division that's, you know, questionable right now. We don't know what's going on with the Bucs. The Panthers are, you know, a quarterback away. And so it's, you know, who is that quarterback going to be? You know, if you bring back Darnold, you're not going to tell me that's a good team. And the Falcons are obviously still in turmoil. They're, you know, they're a year away from being a year away. So this is a really good move for the Saints and puts them in pole position to win that division again. You know, I think Derek Carr adds like two wins to last year's team. And that really is a big difference. So if they're able to get through their cap hell situation like they do every year, I think this will be a good move for the Saints. Um, it is funny though to hear you know Derek Carr said like he'd rather retire than play for the Raiders and guys always say stuff like that until suddenly they're not wanted anymore but it's a pretty good match Derek Carr wants to be a pastor after his career is over so playing for a team called the Saints smart and finally Geno Smith back to the Seahawks I love this deal I'm happy for Geno you know he was drafted by the Jets they instantly ruined him he was basically maligned for the rest of his career. It didn't really work anywhere that he went. Finally, he's found a team where he fits in. And instead of them trying to just move on to the next reclamation project or whatever, they paid him. Gino gets a healthy guarantee. He gets a $100 million deal. It's not as big as some of the deals that, you know, other dudes have gotten. And it's not like the money he was probably dying to get when he was younger or whatever. But it's $100 million for a dude who... At one point, it looked like he was going to be out of the league. I mean, Geno Smith started as like he was going to be the number one overall pick in his, you know, in that season, in that college year. And then his team tanked a little bit, and he ended up going to the Jets in the second round. And that's basically the death knell of your career. But he kept going, he kept grinding, he kept working. And when he finally got his chance again on a team that actually believed in him, look what he did. He put up a really good season. He was in the MVP discussion for a lot of the year, and now he's got a big deal. He's locked in as the Seahawks starting quarterback. It's awesome. Good for Geno Smith. I like that move. The other thing is that I think that Geno fits what they want to do. I think that the way that he plays is good for the Seahawks. We know that the Seahawks don't want to pass 50 times a game, right? We know that the Seahawks want to run. As long as Pete Carroll is there, I think that Geno Smith is the right quarterback for him. And I would say that this three-year deal that may be like Pete Carroll saying, this is my, you know, I, I would say that 
I think Pete Carroll and Geno Smith may be tied together at this point. Like this may be the one because the way that you know Pete Carroll so negatively talked about Russell Wilson on the way out, we know that you know that went south. And I just think it's possible that this may be the guy that he likes. They're gonna ride off into the sunset together over a few years. You know, Pete's in his 70s now, so this could be the guy. I'm happy for Geno Smith. I think it's good for the Seahawks. I like it. And that is the Blood Doctor Show on this Thursday. Little shorter than usual, firing through the notes. Only a 10-minute rant instead of a 20-minute rant. It's all good, I hope. I hope you can enjoy your abbreviated Blood Doctor shows as much as you can enjoy the two-hour Blood Doctor shows, which are ridiculous overkill. We're coming up on the 100th episode. I'm going to do something special for that. I'm working on it. We'll be there very soon. Until then... Tell everyone you love that you love them and be in the lives of those around you and don't show up one day and expect to be treated like you've always been there. Just always be there. Peace.